Hello and welcome back to 20 Minutes in the Text, Seeing Christ in the Text, uh, specifically taking a look at Psalm 119, verse 105 mm -hmm. today. Um, and Mason and I uh, are beginning uh, a new journey with uh, 20 Minutes in the Text as we are going to work through a handful of individual verses that are meaningful to us and our congregation here. Mm -hmm. Verses that were given to us or chosen for us for our confirmation. If you don't come from a Lutheran a background, confirmation is a rite following a process of catechesis where you confirm the faith that was given to you in your baptism uh, as, a, as a child or where you are confirming the words of faith, I believe, spoken over you, whether you are a baby or a small child in that baptism. And so... Uh, by way of tradition, oftentimes there's a verse uh, from scripture read over you as a blessing mm -hmm. during that rite. And so uh, this week we are going to begin a process of examining confirmation verses that have been given to us, as well as the confirmation passages chosen for um, the confirmation group uh, at Chapel of the Cross here this fall. So uh, if you are from our home congregation, as you're watching this on a Sunday morning or whatever, um, over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be identifying one at a time these confirmation verses and having conversations with you about um, the context and the meaning and the life application, and most importantly, how we see Christ in these passages. So um, Mason... Mm -hmm. We're going to do your confirmation verse today. Yes. Which was given to you and in 2009. 2009. Now, did you choose this passage or was this assigned to you? It was chosen but uh, approved. Okay. That's how it, that's how okay. that, the system worked at my So there church. was a veto system where you could choose it and there was. Say, thanks yeah. but no thanks. Yes, both okay. for the verse. I don't I mean yeah, I mean just to I think the pastor would say, you know. That's a good verse but you know, I think this one might suit you better. Yeah. Um, same thing with our testimonies, right? Absolutely. Well, great. Um, we mentioned earlier Psalm 119, verse 105. Would you mind reading that for yes. us right off the bat? Yes. And then uh, maybe we'll just dive in, talk a little bit about where does this verse come from? Mm -hmm. What does it say? And then we'll get to uh, the home stretch where we see how it points us to Christ. Yeah. So I'm reading this uh, out of the ESV version, which I memorized. Um, it is, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. So just in there towards the end of the 119th Psalm. Great. And the 119th Psalm, um, maybe the one where as you're reading devotionally or whatever through mm. the Psalms, you get to this one, mm -hmm. you start reading a little bit and, and you, read a, um, you soon to, to find that uh, this is a long psalm, yeah, uh, and maybe yeah. even uh, you know that, and so it's not a psalm you choose to, to read. You go, oh, I'll skip over that one, kind of mm -hmm. like Leviticus. Sometimes we do that with Leviticus or Numbers or genealogies. Yeah. Uh, so, what what do we know about Psalm 119? What's what's its place in the Psalter? What's its place in the Scripture? Um, yeah. So Psalm 119, uh, as you said, sort of the longest psalm. Also sort of sometimes hard to read, I think, for people because it's very not repetitive in the same words being used, but repetitive in the same sort of subject area. A lot of the same things are picked up on again and again and again. 
but it's split up into different sections, um, which uh, follow the Hebrew alphabet. Okay, that's so, what these words are. Yeah. Here. So if you calf. yeah, so if you open up to the first the psalm, it'll say uh, Aleph and then Bet and then Gimel Dalit. So it follows yeah. that that uh, path. Now the interesting thing is this is where this is where the Hebrew to English breaks down because not only is it split up into sections via the letters of the Hebrew alphabet, but in the original Hebrew, every single line started with that same letter. Very so in the Aleph yeah. section, every line of the, the it doesn't do that in, in English, obviously, unfortunately. Um, so it's very sort of poetic in that way. Now, this is interesting because of the fact that there is, and this is sort of creeping into the authorship of Psalm 119, this is where there are different options. So it's argued sort of who wrote it. Because Psalms, a lot of Psalms of David are explicitly you know, a Psalm of David, David. And there are Psalms of David sort of cushioning this on either side. Okay. But some people think that the reason that it could be David is that David used this sort of acrostic setup of the letters to teach his son, future King Solomon, the alphabet, the Hebrew alphabet. Interesting. So that's, that's an option. There are other options though, too. Um, some say it could be written by Ezra the priest during the rebuilding of the temple. Uh, others say it could be Daniel. Sort of one thing that these people have in common is that they faced uh, difficulties, laments, and you sort of see that through it. There's sort of cr there's crying out, uh, trusting in God, and so th there's really it's disputed at the end of the day you know, okay. who, who really was the main author of it. Either way, it's contained in our scriptures. It's inspired yes. by God. Right. It's been checked by, yes. Rebuking it checks all the boxes. All yeah. yeah. And so we're going to, in this passage, we're going to explore that it's about the word. And yeah. while um, the word, word, isn't explicitly spoken or written, um, that is a common theme and a very reoccurring thing in this psalm mm -hmm. particularly. Mm -hmm. And so, right, and this is this is maybe just one more example in this psalm how it's pointing us to, to the importance of the word. Correct. And obviously it, it uses other synonyms for word too. So I, I listed some here. So ways, statutes, decrees, law, precepts, commands, promise, sort of all a different flavor of the, the emphasis on the word. And so when we read those words throughout Psalm 119, maybe even you know throughout the Psalter itself, yeah, I, yeah, we're we're given we're we're sent back to this imagery of God's word. Yes, yes. And then all of these are are pointing us to to God Himself, who has given us His word for mm -hmm. us. I think that's an important thing to help us really get the depth of what we're reading. Correct, in the especially when it's in in relation to Christ. And so, I mean, at this point of when you're watching uh, the video or listening to the podcast, pause and take the time to read through Psalm 118. It doesn't take, I mean, it's long, but it doesn't take forever, right? You can do it in, right. easily in a sitting. But it's, it's interesting because it'll help you pick up on some themes that we're about to touch upon because there's some, some very interesting, rich theology in Psalm 119 that leads up to 
the culminating verse of my confirmation verse, is, verse which is Psalm 19, verse 105. Okay. And Mason, you had mentioned that the possible authors of this psalm had something in common, that there was some, some suffering or mm -hmm. um, difficulty in their lifetime. Affliction, yeah. And, and that is something, I believe, that is something that reveals itself in this psalm itself. Yeah, over some, and over and yeah. over. Yeah, so this is where I was talking about. Um, it, this is why some people have maybe find it as a boring read because it just touches upon these things all the time. So um, it's just a few examples. Um, of, there, there's sorts of a different types of affliction too, right? Yeah. So uh, the first two I'll point out is Psalm 119, verse 25, and the verse 28. So 25 says, My soul clings to the dust. Give me life according to your word, right? Beautiful. I think I wrote that in the front of my Bible that I lost. Um, so whoever which finds is blessing it, which is, else, yes, right? exactly. Yeah. My soul clings, because it's just, you know, it, in many ways, you know, John 3, 16 is the gospel in a nutshell, but there's also, I mean, this is sort of gospel too, right? And in, in a similar way, uh, verse 28 says, my soul melts away from sorrow or for sorrow strengthen me according to your word. So you can, you know, you get that, this first theme of like the soul has been in anguish. Yeah. And there's a great juxtaposition there of, you know, if you think about the, the opening statements there, my soul, it clings to the dust. Well, what is the best uh, symbol of our temporary nature and our death? And we were just talking about earlier today, yeah. the ashes yeah. on our forehead and the dust that we're com we come from. And so when we look at ourselves, my soul, well, it clings to the temporary things and it clings to death. But uh, give me life. You, God, bring me life. And yes. where does that life come? From the word. You know, similar, my soul melts away for sorrow. As my soul is, is literally like melting from this sorrow and anguish, well, where does the strength come? God. Oh. We look to God who strengthens us with his word again. Mm. Uh, interesting as you take a look at the perspective. Yes. You see the temporary and uh, the affliction juxtaposed with with God yeah. who brings the salvation. And there's also the interesting thing about the psalm when reading it again anew um, was the fact that the writer is both asking for salvation via the word, but also asking. Um, for strengthening through the word. So in sort of Lutheran-y terms, the writer's asking for justification and sanctification, right? It's asking to be justified, brought in, and then also sort of made holy. Um, because, so you've got the soul clinging. But then the next thing, so in, in verse 37, um, the psalmist writes, turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me a life in your ways. So this is sort of sanctification-y things, right? So, you know, your word justifies me, but also now, Lord, I, I just, I don't, I just think that, and this shows you how, how much affliction this person's gone through of just being like, I'm sort of like, I'm tired of living this worthless life. Give mm -hmm. me, give me substance, give me identity, give me meaning. I mean, really, when you read it carefully, look at it, you can sort of see the anguish yeah. that this person's going through. And then the last thing uh, that I caught was Psalm 119, verse 69. 
the insolent smear me with lies, but with my whole heart I keep your precepts. So you have sort of the soul, you're going after sort of worthless things, but then also you're being persecuted for, the, for keeping the precepts of the Lord. And these three things keep coming up, coming up, and coming up, all the way leading up to Psalm 119, verse 105. Yeah, it's magnificent. Yeah. Right? And so here, here is the author, here is you and me today, coming face to face with our temporal nature, our sinful nature, our inability to look to things that matter. And then being, being directed by the word itself, of course, to the word, which, which is life, yeah. is salvation yeah. and is fulfillment for us. Yeah. Yeah. So there's, there is the two things. I mean, putting it in context, right. You have salvation coming from God, but also there's, there's like, you're keeping the precepts in order to remain clean. Thinking of it, you know, sort of, you know, um, Old Testament, you know, temple, you know, you're keeping yourself clean by keeping the precepts, following the law. So there's that um, playing in with the fact that yet only God is the one who can save you via the word. So there's those two sort of playing off each other. But the, the two things that that is communicating, the two things that the word does, according to at least my reading of Psalm 119, is, is, is that it saves and that it educates or makes wise in order to live a pure life. So again, that the juxtaposition of the justification and sanctification. Yeah. So that's, that's what's leading up to Psalm 119, verse 105. That's sort of the theology that's coming to a point here. Yeah, and then again, we come face to face with this text that uh, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. And so, yeah. so what of this? What what is what is this saying? Um, what does this mean to us? What can we learn from these two very simple statements? Um, it's there's a lot there. Yeah. And as an eighth grader um, that was writing a confirmation testimony and reflecting on this word, you know, obviously, I don't think I did it justice because I came across a really interesting Luther quote. Um, now, I was not reading Luther in eighth grade. Um, but he gives an interesting take on this. So mm -hmm. this is what Luther writes about Psalm 119, verse 105. Um, the word guides the feet and the heart, and faith does not require understanding. Um, thus, faith does not enliven the understanding. Indeed, it blinds it, but rather the heart. Faith leads where it will be saved, and it does so through the hearing of the word. So essentially, um, what Luther's trying to get at is the fact that what you should notice about this verse in particular is that the word is a lamp to feet and a light for the path. But the feet can't see, right? Right. So it's not saying it's a lamp for my eyes. It's a lamp for my feet and a light to my path, which is really focusing in on the fact that the word is to be clung to in faith. Mm -hmm. wow. So... The word of God is the thing that guides you along, no matter if you can understand it or not. Which I think for us and for the psalmist is very frustrating, right? Because 
the psalmist continually asks for understanding and wisdom. And in many ways, the word does that, right? Certainly. It, you know, the, the word leads us to live a good life. You know, sort of um, Andrew's master's thesis talking about ethics. And, but the word does not, the word is not the reason per se that we live that good life. And the word is not hmm. something that, you know, we have to live up to and understand first and then do so that we can receive life. Right. The word gives life. Correct. So that right. we may do. Yes. Yes. Right. And, um, you know, I think something that, that you had noted was that the wisdom and understanding that we need is faith and the wisdom and understanding that, mm. that, God desires to give us is not to understand the word, but it's rather, it's a clinging to the word and it's faith in the word, which has power to guide us. Um, even when we, we don't see necessarily where yeah. we're going. And Paul, you know, Paul has that same sentiment in second Corinthians. He notes that we walk by faith and not by sight because we would be yeah. a hot mess if we were all walking by sight. Well, yeah. Right. I would be terrified of the world that I live in if I walked by sight, but instead we walk in yeah. faith knowing that what we see is in some way guided, directed, and uh, cared for by God. Yeah, it's, yeah. If, um, you know, if God were to give you sight instead of, you know, instead of faith, right? Because you don't need faith when you have the sight of seeing things. If you would see what your life would be like, would you be willing to walk that path? Mm, probably not. No, me neither, right? <laughs> um, so, so there's that. So, if as you're watching or listening, sort of again, we've always talked about the bells and whistles going off, but you can sort of see how this is a, a, a fulfillment in Jesus, right? So he is the Word, the Word incarnate, John 1, the Word became flesh. Yeah. So it's more than just words on a piece of paper or words spoken, it's an actual person. He's the one that gives life. Um, and he's the one that saves. So Romans 10, 9 through 10. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So it's because of the work of the word yes. that we are saved. So again, as the word in for the psalmist says it saves, so is the word incarnate saving us. Um, just... Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a really good connection, you know. And so here we are yeah. today seeing, oh well, yeah. You know, your word is a a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Yes, God's word saves. Well, why does God's word save? Because it's it points us to Christ. And who is Christ? Christ is God's word made flesh, incarnate, human. And he's to save. Yeah. And he's the source of the spoken word. Yes. <laughs> the written word, right? You really can't avoid Jesus. No, exactly. I mean, it's not a matter of, oh, yes. how do we find Jesus here? How do we see Jesus? Well, how do you not see Jesus? Yes. And there's uh, tons of, I could go off on a tangent with this because the yeah. word, but we'll, we'll stay on track. So, yeah, so Jesus is the one who saves, but also Jesus is the one uh, who gives understanding and wisdom. So um, I took a verse from Second Timothy chapter 2, mostly because it's, it's Paul speaking to Timothy about what it means to be a good Christian soldier. Um, and so he writes, you know, think over what I say, AKA, 
sort of the scriptures and uh, things of Christ. For the Lord will give you understanding in everything. Um, yeah. Does that mean... Uh, it's, I, I would take this as a now, not yet situation. Okay. He gives us some understanding now. Are we going to know... Are we going to understand all the complexities of God in this life? Never. Or honestly, even the life to come? Do we even want to? Right. It might scare us. It probably would scare us. Yeah. But you'll you'll have the understanding. Jesus will give you the understanding that you need in that moment. Um, but understanding in order to live a life that's sanctified, that's holy. So you have those two things playing together, right? Jesus is the one that saves. And Jesus is the one that gives understanding in order to live the, the virtuous Christian life. Yeah. Um, you know, if, if you were with us uh, way back earlier this spring when we were working through the book of James, there's a mm. section in there uh, speaking about the wisdom from above. And again, here we have this personification of, of wisdom, a word, again, in Jesus. Mm -hmm. you know, Jesus, who is the wisdom from above, leads and directs our life knowing that our life is found in him because he has saved us and brought us from death to life. And it's, it's in this way that, that he lights our path and he illuminates our life yeah. to freedom in the gospel. And we benefit from that by faith in the fact that he did those things. Right. Absolutely. So it's, we always go back to Hebrews. It's sort of our, we should just, we should have done a study on Hebrews. Yeah. But Hebrews 11.1, 1, um, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So, you know, it's, we have faith in the work of the word incarnate. And that's what it's come down to. So yeah. your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Your word, your son, the work of your son is the thing that guides me into everlasting life even if I can't see it. Magnificent. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this week. Again, Psalm 119, verse 105. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light for my path. Please join us again next week. Um, we'll dive into uh, Isaiah. Uh, my confirmation passage from Isaiah uh, will reveal that next week. So if you're a curious person. You'll have to tune in next week and find yeah. out what that is. Um, but we'll walk through uh, my confirmation verse from Isaiah as well. Uh, God's blessings on you as you go about your day and your work as you answer God's call to serve and to love. We'll see you next time. Twenty minutes in the text is recorded and produced by Andrew Nelson and Mason Veith at Chapel of the Cross Lutheran Church in St. Peter's, Missouri. Andrew and Mason are friends, theologians, and brothers in Christ who find great joy in sharing the gospel message. Join us for Christ's word, commentary, and conversation, 20 minutes at a time. We hope you enjoy the show.